Welcome to Middle School Matters Podcast number 549. Drop your backpack. You're at home. We've got some jokes for you this week. We're going to talk about some really cool strategies for your classroom. Maybe some AR, VR stuff as well. So without further ado, here's the wonderful, the magnanimous, the Mr. Troy Patterson. All right, welcome back to the show. I am Troy Patterson, and with me is the world's greatest co-show host, Mr. Sean McGurr. Hey, Sean. Well, hello there. How are you? I'm well. Hey, what do you know about atoms? Very little. Besides that. Did I not? Um, you know that uh, I think last week I shared a uh, headline. I'm going to share another one with you. Okay. All right. A clumsy paleontologist walked on stage with a dinosaur skull. Okay. What happened next is jaw-dropping. Ah. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Oh, hey, I just got my doctor's test results, and I'm really upset. Why is that? Turns out I'm not going to be a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 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 Oh, hey, you know... um, Turns out my daughter looks just like my wife. I mean, they look like twins. I'm not too surprised, though. Yeah. Yeah. After all, they were separated at birth. Oh, that's true. That is true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I do have a great joke about nepotism. Yeah. Yeah, but I only tell it to my kids. I gotcha. Uh, hey, my friend asked me if I wanted to hear a really good Batman impression, so I replied, go for it. And he shouted, no, not the kryptonite. Slightly puzzled, I said, that's Superman. Thanks, man, he said. I've been practicing a lot. Ah, yeah, very good. Uh, <laughs> hey, how do you tell a chemist from a capitalist? You usually look at the letters and you can see if they're big or small or not. Just ask them to pronounce the following word. U-N-I-O-N-I-Z-E-D. Ah. I had to really think about this one. Right? Are you thinking about this one? (laughs) Are you thinking about the two ways to pronounce it? No, I I, I caught the ionized, unionized. Okay. Yeah, you're you're smarter than I am, so I, I kind of figured you would. <laughs> I started looking for extra things in there, and I was like, I don't see anything extra. Yeah, nope, nope, nope. Oh, you know, I just failed the safe fire safety course. No, I did. Yeah, they asked me what steps that I would take in case of an explosion. Apparently, okay. really big ones wasn't an acceptable answer. <laughs> <laughs> and they wanted fast, also. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, I have a friend who's turning 32 soon. I told her not to get her hopes up too, uh, hopes up too much. After all, mm-hmm. the celebration's only going to last a half minute. Confused, she said, what are you talking about? I said, it's your 32nd birthday. I see. Mm-hmm. I see what you did there. Yeah. Hey, you know, if you think your microwave and your TV is spying on you as bad, I got some yeah. news for you. Uh-huh. Yeah, your vacuum cleaner's been gathering dirt on you for years. Oh, that explains <laughs> it. I'm not bragging or anything, but I made six yeah. figures last year. You did? Yeah, it turns out they named me the world, the year's worst employee at the toy factory. Oh, Six I see. figures. Mm-hmm. Fig? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the store last week to buy six cans of Sprite. Six cans of Sprite. Yeah. It Why wasn't until six I got home that I realized I had picked up, I had picked seven up. Oh, seven I see. Up. No, I see. Uh, yeah. I didn't do that one well. <laughs> and finally, this is just a yeah. thought. Okay. If you tell dad jokes, but you uh-huh. don't have kids, right? does that make you a faux pas? 
I, I'm going to say yes. Yes, yeah. it does. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, you know who has no foe about him? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> you get nothing but the real stuff. And this is something that I think is right up your alley as well. Because it's got something that... Uh, you really uh, are. You really have an interest oh, yeah. in, and you're exploring, and you're working on, and all that good stuff. So, yeah, you know, you and Dave it. now have some things in common. You can talk yeah. about and chat about and dream yeah. about. Um, yeah. And he's got something that uh, is actually in play, um, and that is augmented reality. I know that you've done some AR and VR work in your classroom. But this is um, this is something you can do right now, and this is uh, all about using augmented reality for inquiry and fun in your lessons. Mm. So here, without further ado, is the wonderful Mr. Dave Bidlowski in the Middle School Science Minute. Hi, this is Dave Bidlowski of K12Science.net, and this is your K12 Science Podcast. I was recently reading the May-June 2022 issue of Science and Children, a publication of the National Science Teaching Association. And I read the section, Tech Talk, and it's written by Heather Pacheco-Guffrey. And she wrote an article entitled, Using Augmented Reality to Augment Inquiry and Fun in Your Lessons. And she talked about the resources available from the World Wildlife Fund. And she said that the World Wildlife Fund has a library of great educational resources, including several high-quality apps, the award-winning World Wildlife Fund Together app, and the new World Wildlife Fund Forest app, both iOS only, are stunning and well worth your time. But in this article, she explored a third app from the World Wildlife Fund, the remarkable World Wildlife Fund Free Rivers app. Free Rivers uses AR technology to turn your classroom into an interactive virtual river valley. The dynamic nature of the AR river valley makes it an exciting choice for inquiry learning. The no-cost World Wildlife Fund Free Rivers app is available for Apple and Android mobile devices. Users are presented with an interactive AR river valley ranging from headwaters to mouth and including features from the natural and human-built environment. At first glance, the large-scale river valley view may seem familiar because it's commonly represented as a static image in textbooks. Users get the benefit of this large-scale systems view plus access to interactive tools such as Zoom navigation throughout the river valley and control over different features of the natural and human-built systems. If you've used a stream table in the past, you'll likely admire the stream table-like control available to students, along with the additional benefit of features such as clouds and farms, plus far less prep and cleanup. The World Wildlife Free Rivers app lends itself to any sort of inquiry for 5th through 8th grade students. You can take an inquiry approach with your students, building instruction around a driving question and let them dive into the river to find answers. Start smart by giving students 5 minutes or so for free exploration with the app. If time allows, come back together as a group to review features they discovered, identify any they missed, and answer questions. Or you might like to use it utilizing asking questions and defining problems. Students are amazing at asking questions and AR helps you build their inquisitiveness into lessons. Take advantage of the low-risk virtual environment and put students in the driver's seat by tasking small groups with exploring app features, identifying several questions they could investigate with the app, and sharing questions back in whole group. A cloud-based spreadsheet program like Google Sheets makes this quick and easy to project on the board. Have students practice parsing testable and non-testable questions. 
Consider also having students classify the group's questions in ways that help them tune into the models, such as natural environment, human-built environment, or interactions between the natural and human-built environment. Support your English learners and students with disabilities by permitting students to investigate the question of their choosing, not only the ones developed by their own small group. Throughout the app work, be sure students are grouped for learning support and peer tech troubleshooting. This leaves you freer to have those important conversations with students as they work to formulate inquiry questions and investigation methods. Consider having students document their proposed methods with something quick and easy, like a flipgrid, before dedicating writing time to documenting their finalized methods. Or you might like to use it for developing and using models. This River Valley system is a great platform to use in support of multiple aspects of this practice. First, this is a terrific model for students to practice identifying limitations with the model. Consider engaging them in the process after they investigated their research questions because they will all be familiar with the ins and outs of the River Valley model. Second, the in-app graphics adhere to the laws of natural systems, which enable students to engage in describing and predicting phenomena, as well as testing cause and effect relationships. This app provides students a unique opportunity to explore the interactions between natural and human-built systems. And this has been your K-12 Science Podcast. All right, well, when you think about AR and VR, that mm -hmm. could have some impact on um, how we're doing education and presenting education. And this year, I thought we'd take a look back because we're kind of at the end of the year for both of us. Um, and for for me, we, we did in-person learning all year long. So we were able to not have to do remote. The only time we did remote was scheduled, um, like voting day kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so I, I I thought I think that that was interesting, and I think you did almost all in person. Though you didn't you did you have did you have any time that you went remote? We did. We went for a short time because we had a huge spike in Wayne County with uh, COVID. So we went for just a very short time back to remote. It wasn't very long at all. Felt weird going back to it. Um, I missed the kids. And when the kids came back, it was, uh, you could tell that they had missed as well. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things, interesting discussion. I'm going to side note on this. I'm going to take it somewhere else. Just That's briefly. fine. Um, I was talking with another teacher. We were standing at the band concert and we were, they were playing a, an ancient Chinese song by Tu Ning. And um, we, were, we were just chatting and she goes, this group that's coming up, she goes, they they like really glommed on hard to us and, and, and became very familiar with us very quickly. And I was, it was, I was having the same type of conversation with other members of the teaching team I'm on we were saying the same thing, how much these kids have really just like uh, attached themselves to us more so than, than usual. They do that. Right. We, we get that. But this is like, like, well, I'll give an example. Kid, <laughs> kid ran into my room uh, Thursday morning and you know, kids, when they run into their own houses, they'll just drop stuff in the middle of the floor because they're at home and they're carefree and they just, you know, it's home, right? Kid took his uh, bass clarinet, dropped it in the middle of the of the room where you walk into my room, and he was home, you know. And he started just chatting up with the guys, and it was before school started. And I looked at the instrument and backpack right there in the middle of the floor where everybody's gonna gonna walk into the room, and they're all walking around it. But the other thing was they were like they expected it, you know. And then that's that's just how you you know it is when you're at home and. I just kind of looked around and watched and, you know, and just observing the the kids and, and how much at home they, they do or did feel that day. And, and they've really, I think one of the side effects of this, this, uh, this virtual thing and having going virtual for just a short period of time this, this year 
uh, really reinforced how much they really want to be at school with each other and with mm-hmm. uh, adults who care about them. And um, we're starting to see some separation issues coming up with the kids, especially as we're getting now towards the end of the year. Uh, we've, we've observed in the past, our special ed kids will start doing things intentionally to make us mad at them. So it makes it easier for them to break for the summer because, you know, then there's a reason for them not to be around, right? It gives them an excuse to say, I don't want to be at school and I don't want to be with you. Uh, And then you've got other kids that will do things and they'll start acting up because they just want to eat up that attention so that they can, they've got something for, for over the summer. And they know that that's coming, that break is coming and they're, they're starting to feel that and they're acting out in a certain way. Uh, But our kids have, like I said, have really just, um, becoming extremely they they uh, what's the word for it it's uh they're just very very comfortable uh around us and and and, and they wear us like an old shirt mm-hmm. i guess is the best way which is ironic because one of them said mr Kerr, you haven't worn blue in a while i'm thinking yeah that's true could you wear a blue shirt tomorrow is there <laughs> is there a reason no i just could you wear a blue shirt tomorrow so I did, and nothing was said. Nothing was, you know, about the shirt or anything like that. I wore a blue shirt, and um, but no, they're, they're getting to that point where they're they're starting to dress us, you know, and um, give us. Uh, uh, would you do this for me? Would you do that? And it's so. Anyway, that's how they're. That's yeah, that's no. my that's my side note. No, no, I know it's that's like the the challenge. I think at the beginning was of the beginning of the school year was kind of, can we make it through? What's it going to look like? Um, are we going to have to go back to remote? And for 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 my district, um, and for most districts around, just thinking um, uh, uh, about most districts in Maine, there was uh, quite a few districts that had to do remote for short periods, sometimes because of busing. Um, yes. There's a lot of busing in, in, in Maine. You know, population is more spread out in Maine than... Um, so not, lots of kids can't walk to school, um, mm-hmm. which is, which is you know, a thing. But so they had to go remote because they didn't have enough bus drivers or, you know, kind of staff. So, you know, lots of that. Um, the district that I work in did not have to go remote, as I said, and that was one of the goals was to have kids in school. And now there are times when we, we had, um, required masking. Um, there's, you know, there were other things in play and it was interesting to listen to teachers and, you know, remark upon some of the behavior i think you know and as you brought in i think the kids missed each other and then the kids kind of um especially in middle school you know they're they're pushing boundaries as well and they're they're trying to figure out where the boundaries are and aren't and um how that plays in with them as well so so and it leads me to to go into well what's next year going to look like and what are teachers going to be ready for? And one of the things that I'm interested in is for a lot of teachers, they developed some skills in using technology and teaching remotely. Um, and again, we never did a really good job of deciding what this should look like and teaching people how to do it. It was mm-hmm. feet to the fire, yeah. right? Um, yep. So it, it certainly wasn't perfect. Um and I'm not even sure that I know what perfect looks like um, as well. But I'm wondering if teachers are going to leverage some of those skills. Will will differentiation increase? Will we be able to reach more students because uh, because teachers now have some of the skills necessary for blended learning? Can they do blended learning? Uh, effectively because they've got some of those things in place. Um, so that's that's one of the things that I... Or is it going to be, oh, 
thankfully we're done with this whole remote thing. Kids don't ever need a device in front of them again. And, you know, it's like, um, I hate to break this to you, but these devices aren't going to go away for the kids. They're part of their lives and we need to leverage those when we can kind of thing. So, so we've also made a comment I heard was, uh, it was given to me was we've also made an investment in this technology. Use it. Yeah. Okay. All right. We can do that. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there, there is that investment and it should be used. And it's interesting, the pushback about, you know, there's, there's teachers out there who are saying these kids have, have their their face in a screen constantly and there is something to that we do know that some of the social media sites uh especially utilize a lot of things to try to keep people engaged and that's everybody that's that's not just kids that's adults too you know you need to be aware that they're 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 trying to hit on that dopamine for you and those are things that aren't going away but i think back to you know, there was uh, TV was going to destroy the brains of all of the kids, and somehow we turned out okay. Um, and I think it really is, it's something that we need to teach kids. But there's a, there's a lot of gray areas. There's not like a single, like, it's not like kids should never use a screen outside of school or never use a screen inside of school. And it's not like kids should be on computers all the time uh, either. It's there's, there's balance there. There should be balance. And I, I'm afraid that people are just going to go too far one way or the other and either say, you know, I'm never using technology in my classroom, um, which is what I, what I tend to hear. Um, and... Mm, you know, wanting some people just wanting to go back to what was some um, some illusionary time when everything was just great. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, so there's there, there kind of is that uh, issue as well. So and, and for me, it was, you know, the beginning of the year, I couldn't do a lot of the things that I really wanted to do. Because uh, I couldn't really get into classrooms. And it wasn't really until, I don't know, March, April, where I really started being able to get around and getting into classrooms and doing more things. So there's there's a whole bunch of things for me that I really wanted to do that I couldn't do. Um, and I'm hopeful that next year I'll be able to do that. So, you know, we can, we can start off and we can start building some things that would that would be cool. So, oh, so, you know, prepping for next year, um, I think it's going to be interesting. And I'm wondering how many teachers are, you know, first of all, this summer, maybe like the first time in at least a couple years where teachers can actually get kind of a summer off and can recharge and, and that, um, refresh and reflect, um, and, and, and I wonder, are teachers going to utilize what they have learned in the past? And are they going to consciously build those some of those skills and some of those opportunities in moving forward? So we'll see. The other thing that's really coming up right now with, um, with the events that were in the news uh, a couple weeks ago is school safety and school security um and that's something that's um you know unfortunately a part of our world as well is prepping and pre preparing for school security and then for me i keep wondering like okay what's next like the you know the the pendulum swings in different ways like what are we going to be worried about next so we can plan for that like you know with the pandemic sel became very important pre-pandemic there there wasn't a whole lot of movement toward sel right we were more 
more way more focused on standardized test scores and um and that mm-hmm. and so you know what what is what, what is going to be next can we you know is it can, can we predict the future and can we help prepare for whatever comes next kind of thing um so has 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 school security been a discussion in your district um over the last couple of weeks or we were talking about it before anything happened i years ago i bought a bar a metal bar with a with a two-pronged hook and you literally rip, swing the bar up it's not attached to anything at the, at the i mean when i say swing you you like grab it and you swing it with your arm raise it up put the hooks over the handle of the door and the two ends of the bar line up with the door posts and you simply spin a, uh, a handle and it tightens down the the hooks on the on the handle of the, the door okay. and you've got a metal bar that's connected to the door and you can't pull that door open because that metal bar is going to keep you from getting so i've got that right and i bought that years ago and um, one year we did a lockdown you know, drill and the assistant principal was walking around to see that we were all doing our thing. And he saw me put the metal bar on there. And then he called me out on it in front of the uh, the uh, Alice t- uh, team. And they were like, no, metal bar, that's a, that's a good idea. You know, because you could, <laughs> that, yeah, that's a good idea. So he was, he was trying to, I think, embarrass me a little bit and it, it didn't work. But um I was scared when he did it. The uh, this this year, though, before anything anything had happened, um, after Oxford, though, uh, they started talking about installing a a, um, a system called a Smart Boot. Yeah. And so we're we're getting the Smart Boot system. So the guy came in to check our doors, or whatever. First of all, I don't have a metal door. I've got a. I guess wood door. I haven't checked it to see, but it's not metal. <laughs> I know that. Um, and cause you can't, it's not metallic anyway. Um, and so I told him, first of all, I said, well, first of all, you understand this is, this is not a metal door. I said, this is just a door. And he's like, yeah, yeah. He says that that's probably going to change, which will explain why they haven't been painting my door. And it, I can actually see the primer under the paint. So, you know, so this is, everybody's been cleaning, right? So custodians been using this cleaner that they've been told to clean, clean the handles, right? Clean the handles, prevent COVID. (laughs) How strong is this cleaner? It's taking the paint off the door and I can see the gray metal primer underneath the oatmeal tan, what used to be paint there. I mean, that's how, that's how, serious the cleaner is that they're using to so but he kind of chuckled and he's like yeah no he says that's probably going to change so um so i got that metal thing we're getting a boot system and if you take it out of the take this metal panel out of the uh holder it Mm -hmm. automatically sends a signal to the office something goes to the assistant principal and principal's phones um Mm -hmm. and you simply slam this into the the flat part of the door down by the by the floor and these two pins go into recessed holes in the floor so this summer somebody's going to come along and put holes in the floor by my door and um you slide it in and then it does the same thing as that metal bar that i just talked about except somebody's going to come in and put holes in my floor so And, and then there's communication that this has been done Right. But it so, can be used not just for any sort of um, school invasion scenario. You can use this if you've got, um, if you have to lock your, you can also, as soon as you lift it out, you know, a, a notification goes to the assistant principal and principal's phones. Right. So maybe, <laughs> maybe you just want to call the, you got a situation, you know, a kid is acting out and hitting people or something and, or is, you know, being defiant, you know, will not go and you need the administration down there now you can just simply pull that and it'll, a signal sent you don't necessarily have to lock down the door to have a signal sent down to the down the office i i don't know if this is a good or bad thing i don't know if this has a potential for being abused 
you know, I just, we just, I, we don't know enough yet. And I guess we're going to get trained on it in the fall. They're going to come in and install these over the summer. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And there, there really is no, um, there's no perfect answer for a lot of things, right? You know, there's always, um, there's a, there's detriments and advantages to lots of things. Um, you know, I know, for example, we were looking, when we were looking at building new schools, one of the recommendations was to not have straight hallways, to have a curved really? hallway for a safety thing. Yeah, you couldn't, it's just, no, right? it's not a shooting gallery that way or a, or a right. straight shot down the, yeah. And then I can tell you from a, the safety security issue of a principal, I want a straight hallway because I want to be able to see down the hallway yep. to see what's going on. Yep. And because if there is going to be a fight breakout, I want to know. I want to be able to see what's happening and do that. So there's, you know, different perspectives as well. So. So, yeah. Um, well, oh, okay, go ahead. Well, and, and, and also we're getting an upgrade to our cameras because our cameras apparently are uh, woefully under-resolved. I mean, you, you can see stuff, but you can't see a, enough detail on things or mm -hmm. um, to, to get, you know, you can, it. generally speaking, you can see stuff. But getting right down into details and, and getting a good focus on things is difficult. So apparently we're, we're getting that as well, and that should help. Um We've also got the kids trained wrongly in my building. Um, and, we've, I, and I've been down at the end of the build, end of the my hallway trying to untrain them all year long and it doesn't work. Uh, they constantly argue with me like, well, no, somebody's coming behind me. So I'm just going to open the door and leave it open. It's like, um, yes, but the last person never closes it because you guys are seventh and eighth graders. Right. And they're like, well, yeah. And I'm like, uh, well, no. <laughs> and so that's a whole nother thing that we are going to, I think, have to overcome is just simple things like shut the door behind you. Um, we've been doing a thing where we've had four entry doors in the morning to, to make it easier for kids to get into the building. Uh, obviously out of the building at night's not a problem, but into the building without crowds and jostling and silly, you touched me, you touched me, no, you touched me type of fights that start things throughout the day and it's been a beautiful system it's worked great it's uh it's been a huge boon you know seventh graders come in one door sixth graders come in another door eighth graders come in another door and then you've got uh the two other ends you got one in for breakfast if you want breakfast doesn't matter your grade level just come in that door and then the way on the far end um you've got another door for your ells and your early learners and your 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 newcomer program the specialty programs that are down there that, that have the kids uh, all day long in the classroom um, for a year. I don't want to say before they join general population, but it's pretty much the, it's pretty much true. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that's one thing that like with COVID that happened is that a lot of schools, I think went to multiple doors, lots of door entries, like keeping groups together. Um, so that there wasn't as, mm -hmm. as much intermingling. And now it's like, you know, the, the, the idea of limiting how many doors, which is not, which any t anybody who's involved in education can tell you that there's no way you want to have one door for everybody to come in and out. That just is like horrific. Um, so it, it, again, there's all these trade-offs, right? There's all these things that you got to decide, and it's it's almost like you have to predict the future as to what is going to be the problem, and how you can resolve that. So, um, so yeah, yeah. We did also have a little bit of this morning. We had a little bit of fun with fonts. <laughs> we did, yeah. Just kind of I like uh, fonts. I like fonts too. And I, 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 you know, I mean, I've watched several, I've watched like the courier special, like where did courier come from? And I've watched all different kinds of fonts things and read about font things. And, um, I find that fascinating that, 
different fonts can also have an impact like on how your message is taken even which i think is interesting there's a subliminal impact of fonts too so um but we had an issue with fun with fonts because sean was typing and it wasn't typing where he thought the cursor was so we went through some troubleshooting activities because um, frequently that can be like a uh a zoom issue or something like that so we went through that and finally it's like what font is that and it turns out that it um uh it had been a cut and paste kind of thing and we changed the font and applied um went back to applied normal text which then switched the font and the, and bada boom everything was all set and good to go again so um I guess this is a um, PSA for if you're <laughs> typing and you're, it's typing where you don't think it should be typing, um, check your fonts. So, really quick, really quick. Mm -hmm. Your favorite font to use in a Google Doc, what is it? Um, all right, so not my favorite. By default, um, I I do like Georgia, um, and I like Times New Roman. I like okay. serif fonts. I can tell you right now, I I I'm more of a serif font than an un than a, a sans serif kind of guy. Although I recognize okay. for headings and headlines, they should be sans serif and all of that, but. I prefer fonts that have a serif to it. And a serif is that it's it's little lines at the bottom of the of the it's it's a foot. It's at the bottom of a letter. You'll see a um a horizontal line um that would be a serif. Um they're usually at the top as well, but just if you're looking at the difference between sans serif and and uh serif. So how about you? You, well, the folks, you heard it, you heard it here first. Uh, uh, Troy would like to go back to the days of serifdom. <laughs> yes, uh, I I kind of like the uh, the sans serif. I like Sinzel, um, but Sinzel is an all caps thing. And then I like um, uh, Century Schoolbook for some other things. But there's some others that I like as well that I to play with. And but like those, I I, I try to stay away from uh, the Helvetica and the the Ariels because I think they get Everybody uses those. Yeah. yeah. There's a there's a there's a movie that I watched on this is kind of embarrassing to admit. I watched a movie on Helvetica. Really? <laughs> it was pretty interesting. <laughs> Talking about weights and kerning and just lots of it was it was interesting. And so um and there's a reason why Helvetica is so popular. But, uh, but again, I, I generally, I, I really, I like serif fonts. Um, I know a lot of people for, especially for a long time, it was like the thing is comic sans and yes. a, a teacher <laughs> said, but they do the A right. They do the A right. I'm like, yeah, but it, uh. and, and it's a matter of taste, right? It's not like there's one thing that's right or wrong, but. It's wrong. <laughs> um, you know, I get why some people like it, but I don't like Comic Sans. So, you know. But what I do like yeah, is the Twitterverse. You like? you, so do I. I like the Twitterverse. And so does Laura Malafrina at Laura Malafrina. And she posted something interesting. She, she actually posted a thread. And I'm not... Not that it's a bad thread, but I am going to spare you the thread in our show notes and send you straight to the link. But the, the thread is essentially all about how she says, Hey, English teacher friends, this year in creative writing, I started a daily sentence study warm-up that I called Word Lab. It was the most beneficial 10 minutes of our class, hands down, and I want to share all of the resources 
I created with you. And then it says thread and there's a thread. You can go find her and follow the thread. But um, at the very end, she gives you the resources for free. And so I put a link in the show notes. It's the same link that's in the, the tweet. Um, if you're looking for some some creative writing, 10-minute you know, beginning of the class uh, stuff, um, there you go. She's got a, a Google Doc for you. Marvin Olasky, at Marvin Olasky, <clears throat> is reading a book called On Diversity by Russell Jacoby uh, at seven stories press, uh, 2020 publication. Um, and he says, asks hard questions about one of academia's favorite shibboleths, uh, shows it's more than skin deep and notes that infant strollers with iPad holders do not bode well for intellectual diversity. And I think it's another continuation in people actually stopping to talk about how, you know, it, what, what's the, what is, uh, the digitization doing to us and our kids? Um, and I think it's part of the, the, the discussion that eventually we're going to have about um, like what are good digital consumption habits. So I thought I'd throw that out there for the, uh, for the perusing. Uh, and it's a hashtag Olasky books. Marvin Olasky was the uh, uh, publisher and uh, not publisher editor for a uh, uh, large magazine here in the United States. Um, he's now retired. So he's got lots of time to read books. Uh, <laughs> Richard Byrne. Um, Richard Byrne at RM Byrne free or five virtual creation projects for students. And there's a link in there, uh, for you. Um, I, I'm thinking that the, this whole virtual tour thing is going to be interesting mm -hmm. and, uh, how we, uh, develop it and what we're able to do with it here in the coming years, especially now that we're going to have to learn to live with, uh, a COVID life. Uh, we were talking a little bit about that either before the show or at the beginning of the show. And, um, well, I guess we were talking about lockdowns and uh, staying homes and that sort of thing. Uh, the eighth grader that I'm tutoring, she spent 20 days at school, locked at school, uh, because of the COVID situation. And then one of the, um, teachers, or not one of the, a bunch of the teachers that we had in our class at, in Beijing, uh, they've been locked down for 60 days and wow. are not happy. Um, <laughs> and I'm really toning back some of the stuff that has been for and not, it's not those teachers, but there's been, I don't know if you've seen the, the, the videos of it, but <laughs> they're going out on the balconies and they're banging pots and pans and they're just creating all kinds of racket. And the funny thing is that uh, Chinese state media is, is saying that Americans are encourage, encouraging these quote-unquote impromptu uh, pot and pan concerts. <laughs> Please do not play music with your pots and pans. It's an American plot. It's just hilarious to watch some of the stuff that they're putting out there. But um, yeah, so yeah, uh, uh, the way that we handle things, I think one of the ways we can handle this is creating some of these virtual tour creation projects. I picked up a, uh, this is another just fun thing. And that I is something up. that does interest me, intrigue me, I think is probably a better word, um, is the idea of tours and virtual reality um, and how those, those play out. Because um, right now we could do tours without it being virtual reality right we could do high quality movies kind of thing yes um and does how how is it different is it effectively different and then from a teaching perspective are teachers going to do that because that's going to be a different management situation, right? Rather than putting, you know, put turning the projector on and having this walkthrough where somebody can walk through the uh, through the pyramid, for example, and point out everything that's important and all that, and everybody's getting it all at once. Yeah. That's that's something that's much more comfortable, known to teachers. That kind of setup versus. Okay, let's get all. Let's get the different pieces of technology out, and then each kid is going to go through this at a different pace in a different way, um, and see different things. And uh, that's a different 
management style. It's a different um, learning path as well, right? Um, so that'll be that's one of those things that I think is interesting to me is do people become more comfortable with the doing things differently or not versus what they used to know? Did I explain that okay? Because I think so. I'm not really falling. I, I don't it, really but... fall on one is is quote better than the other. I just it's different, and it's going to take some different skills to implement that. And there's different troubleshooting that you have to go through, right? What happens if something doesn't work? So right, and 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 planning. It's I mean mm -hmm. a long time in advance. This is not going to be something you do on a you know Saturday night getting you ready for Monday morning. This is something you're going to have to do well in advance, set up, or find somebody that's done it and and steal their stuff, which is where you know things like MoodleNet and uh, some mm -hmm. other repositories would be great, great to have if you can get a hold of them. Or you know when you go on a trip somewhere, you know grab those cameras and do those things. And but there's there's that initial investment you know set up in, in the front end as well. And then there is the each kid is learning and doing something different and how how does that feel and what is it, what are the kids doing with that cuz teachers are giving up a bunch of control right you can you're you're not really yeah. focusing them yeah all at once on something on the other hand since each kid is doing it there's a whole lot more accountability there for each kid rather than the you know 30 of them sitting there watching something and um, and that, that's one of those things that intrigues me is that's a different type of teaching and are teachers going to be ready for that? How many teachers are going to be ready for that? How do we help get them ready for that? Um, what does that mean for accountability? What does that mean for student learning? Lots of things fit in, you know, click in there. So... Yeah, it, 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 and, and doing the separate thing like you were talking about with having each kid on their own track, you could actually bring them back together. They're going to notice very different things and have a conversation about the, the very different things that they notice doing those virtual walks or those virtual mm -hmm. trips. And, um, and and that discussion that becomes hugely valuable. It, they'll, they'll, the kids will go back and they'll say, well, where was that? Show me that. Or I, I want to see that. And then you you get another run through it, you know, and every time they go through it, they'll see more. It's like when we did the DC trip with on a regular basis, the kids would go two years in a row. And the second year they would say, I know I went on this trip last year, but I've seen so much more of this trip than I saw <laughs> the first trip because right. I was able to look at our four different things. But one of the things is they'd had conversations with the kids that had gone the year before and they mm -hmm. said, well, I saw that. And they're like, no, that wasn't there. The second trip, well, yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, and so. there's also this part of the, the human brain needs to kind of create the environment. So the first time going through, you notice more more of the big things, more of the things that are going to do. And then the second time through, your brain kind of says, okay, I know that these things exist. Now let me look for more detail, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's just the way the brain works. So, so yeah, but, but think about that from a, from a classroom perspective and a teacher responsibility, a teacher perspective as well. It's a different, whole different animal there. Yes, that's true. And Richard if Byrne does great, does great stuff. So if you're not following Richard Byrne, you really should follow Richard Byrne. Does some great stuff. And pair it up with Matt Miller because Matt Miller uh, mm -hmm. tweeted, um, looking for an engaging lesson, looking for an, I can't talk today, looking for an engaging lesson for class tomorrow. I'll get it right eventually. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, choose a virtual field trip from our collection. And there's a, and there's a collection there of virtual trips, right? So you can go from creating tour projects for students to having some that are already made. And then he's also included a Pair it with this ready-to-use, create-a-guide activity from Google Applied Digital Skills. 
And so there's the resource, the application. So this is one of those where it's a prepackaged thing, but you also get a lot less control over what the kids, you know, if, if you have a focus that you want them to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave my, my, my principal's retiring. And I gave him, uh, one of the things he's always talked about is, yeah, when we go to places like Civil War sites, this is, I run around, I want to see everything, and I want to walk there and want to do it, right? Well, there's a emerging, emerging Civil War series of books has uh, all the different battlefields and what happened at the battlefields and a primary source stuff. And they're really, really well done. And I think one of the, the most beautiful things that's probably underused in those books is at the very end of each chapter where they, they would, they've talked about what happened at this particular place are the directions on how to drive there, get there, get out of the car, walk there and stand mm. in the place that you just read about. Mm. And I think that's a beautiful thing to include in the books. Uh, Dr. Christopher White, has, uh, has has built that into those books. And I think that was a brilliant idea. Um, but if you want to put them on a focus on a particular chapter, a particular thing, if you're using a big, large package that's already done, you can't zoom them in if you want them to have that focus and, and, and narrow in on certain things and aspects of it. And that's where going in and building yourself, I think, could be a, a very powerful thing. Another powerful thing is hashtag MS chat every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And as Troy says, the Twitter never stops. It does not. Um, Larry Ferlazzo does a lot of really good stuff. And this combines Larry Ferlazzo and metacognition. So uh, one of the things that Larry Ferlazzo does is he does a a student planning um, sheet uh, and it basically, and and we're going to link to it. You go to the show notes over at middleschoolmatters.com. We have a link to Larry Ferlazzo's post. Um, And it's it's basically a two-page form where the kids are looking at, okay, what, you know, name, my school goal for next year is, my out-of-school goal for next year is, next year I want my friends to describe me by saying I am. Next year I want my teachers to describe me by saying I am. And really, it, it walks through several questions like that. He does um, he does like a couple of them per day. So it's not like the kids sit down and do all of it. They do, they chunk this, right? Um, and then it also includes 10 years from now and 20 years from now section. Um, and then things I can do to achieve the goals, um, what happens when I'm not doing this, what I can do, and they lay out some strategies. So I really like this because it's about kids taking over and being conscious of what they're doing. It's their learning. And then embedded within that is uh, a daily dedication and it's called a 60 second strategy. And essentially, um, kids get up and they present to the class um, a dedication of like why it is, how, what they're, who they're dedicating their learning to, or who had a big impact on them. Um, so I've, I found that interesting too, to get kids get up and they say, um, you know, here's my daily and in, in daily dedication and also daily intentions. So just starting the day with uh, kids reflecting on, you know, wh- what am I doing today? Why am I here? What are, what can I commit myself to? Um, so for some kids, kind of breaking that that sense of whatever happened before school, just kind of carrying over throughout the entire day. This is an opportunity for them to say. Okay, I'm gonna. Uh, my intention today is to, you know, not get yelled at by Mr. McGurr more than five times, and uh, see if we can <laughs> see if we, see if we can meet that goal, kind of thing. And, and my goal is to not yell at that kid more than once. <laughs> How do we get our goals to line up? There's a, let's, let's there's an that. app probably for that. <laughs> let's bring our goals in alignment. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I thought that, you know, looking at how do you start class? How do you get kids in the right frame of mind? 
and help them take ownership of their learning. So um, I like it. Um, you might want to do some authentic lessons for 21st century learning. Yes. I thought, I thought I 21st century learning was kind of a, we're like 22% through 21st century. Yeah. So, yeah, but, um, are we, do we want to start 22nd century learning? I don't know that we just, I just, why do, why, why can't it just be authentic lessons? <laughs> Sorry. That's just me. I don't, I don't know. I, I just copied the title of the website. So I, uh, I understand you, you can, this was probably made 20 years ago at, uh, at the university of Oklahoma. It's just my curmudgeonly the... self coming out. So. <laughs> the authentic lessons for 21st century learning, uh, is at the K 20 center at the university of Oklahoma. They compiled a set of lessons for teachers that are searchable and good for finding some project-based learning items. I grabbed this actually from the Buck Institute, uh, for education's project-based learning site. And they said, Hey, go look over there and see what's over there. And I was like, Oh, and it comes at the right price. Mm -hmm. free so yeah. uh you can grab some things uh, you, they're searchable that's the nice thing about it plus you can say look i want to i want to yeah let me click on games uh that are uh like nouns i want to do a game with nouns it'll bring stuff up uh you can type in uh just leave it all and type in a, a concept and it'll give you all kinds of things related to that particular concept are you going to get every concept no there's a dearth of ancient egypt for example but if I type in Rome, I get something related to Rome. Uh, I've not tried some other academic areas, but I, I'm sure that there's uh, there's some of those things in there. So it's not, you know, it's not totally comprehensive, but there are some cool things there and project-based learning items. So you could actually use some of that stuff for um, end-of-the-year stuff, you know, where you want to give the kids something longer to work on um, and give them a project uh, uh, to do instead of having to create something for every single day and giving them a chance to delve deep into things. The nice thing is it's broken up into sections. So you you don't have to process down and say, you need to do this slice of the project, then this slice, then this slice. It's got the slices there for you and it makes it a little easier to administer. Access the Culture Translator uh, had a couple interesting things in their newsletter this week. Uh, first of all, there's a report that uh, sextortion is on the rise. Mm -hmm. And what it is, uh, the FBI has issued a warning about the increase of sextortion plots uh, targeting teens. Adults are connecting with teens on games and gaming sites, and they're slowly working them into sending them revealing pictures. And then they say, look, if you don't pay us money, I'm going to take this revealing picture, post it on the Internet. I'm going to share it with your parents. I'm going to make sure your school knows. And in some cases, it's caused teens to uh, commit suicide. There was a Michigan teen that uh, said goodnight to his mother, went into his room. And when she got there, the, uh, you know, checked on him in the morning. He was he was gone. And um, this is so. This is this is a serious thing that uh, is uh, affecting our teens. So do, do be aware of it. I I also noted this week. I I bookmarked um, catfishing scam targeting teen boys which is mm. um, essentially the whole thing. This is out of Canada, though. This is out of Calgary. Um, and it's like, how, you know, how do we address this as part of digital citizenship, making kids aware of what's happening so that they don't fall into it and making sure that they have good habits and they know where to go and what to do and not to do and trying to get ahead of that instead of, trying to clean up, uh, you know, trying to help kids when it's, um, when it's a, uh, a much more impactful situation, so to speak. Right. That's interesting. Cause I ran across an article getting ready for the show where they're talking about, um, frontal lobes and the severe lack of frontal yep. lobes. Yep. And that's the, one of the biggest obstacles that, uh, folks are having in overcoming, uh, getting you know you can teach it but if you don't have the innate things there to begin with it's 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 harder you just, just have to work harder and their 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 proposal was the or their idea was that look 
so we know this about frontal lobes, but we really need to spend some time figuring out if what we're seeing in a lot of other situations in the world related to kids like this is a frontal lobe issue. And, and then we need to really focus on how to, how to address it. So it's, it's not a thing that's been decided. So more of a, has anybody looked at, cause I think we really need to take a look at uh, type of, type of situation. Yeah. So, uh, it just ties in with that one. So I just wanted to bring that up. So, uh, oh, have, you know uh, what? <laughs> You totally have a color that you want to share with us too. Yeah. I totally forgot the slang of the week. So this is new <laughs> slang for me. All right. Um, BTS was actually at the white house. I think, uh, this week, uh, slang of the week. All right. Is, uh, it's called I purple you, not one that I've heard, but okay. Mm -hmm. I purple you, uh, BTS fans. BTS is a K pop group. Uh, them I have heard of and very popular with the kids. Uh, BTS, uh, fans slang term for, I will trust and love you till the end of time. So if somebody says I purple you, it's getting serious. You should, uh, you should, uh, yeah. Um, take that seriously. <laughs> so there you go. There's your slang of the week from access to culture translator. You say it enough times and you know, you will burn it out. Yeah. Um, Edutopia has an article this week on, how burned out are you? A scale for teachers. Oh, that's interesting. Um, it's four levels. Um, hopefully nobody is at level four. Mm -hmm. But this is uh, comes from the, the Lichtman burnout scale adapted from Kevin Lichtman's dissertation research. Hmm. So uh, I guess he named it after himself. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I just wanted to to link to it. I know that I saw several people kind of taking a look at it and where they are and um, and the scale people rating themselves. And again, hopefully you're not a level four. Um, uh, Larry Fralazzo had an interesting year this year, I think, and. It, you know, dealing with COVID, but they also had a strike this year. <laughs> he was part of an eight day strike, um, as well. And he has a blog post, five challenges I faced teaching this year and how I did or didn't handle them effectively. Hmm. Um, and number one is student cell phones. And I thought, you know, we have, I haven't heard a lot about student cell phones recently. Um, and it's just because, you know, that was a huge thing. And, you know, as we cycle through things, I have a feeling that student cell phones is going to come back as an issue. But, um, but yeah, there's, you know, student cell phones. You, you smiled uh, when I said that as well. Yeah. Let me share a story. I'll, I'll share a story really quick. I have to tell you that one of the teachers on my, my team, she's come up with an ingenious way to solve a cell phone problem. We're having, we're having a cell phone problem, particularly with, um, the kids will then text each other to like, you know, go to the bathroom so they can meet up. They don't need to use the bathroom. They just want to, they want to go and have a conversation in the bathroom, you know, because <laughs> that's the cool place. Yeah. And so they text each other and then can I use the bathroom, you know, and they go and whatever. So, so we, the administration wants us to take their cell phones so they can't go and do cell phone stuff in the bathroom, you know, that sort of thing. It's too late. They've already. So, so she came <laughs> with a really ingenious idea and I've, I've used it a couple of times. And I thought, Oh, I wish we thought of this sooner. So she's told the kids that she's in a competition with the other teachers on the team to see who can collect the most cell phones. <laughs> I have no idea what number anybody's at, but I turn to look at the kids and go, look guys, I'm three cell phones behind Mr. Shively. I got to catch up. I mean, I, I, I got a beater this month and you see their eyes get big and the hands start to slide under their thighs. And then, you know, and I'm like, I'll look at them and go, cause I'm thinking some of you could really put me like one or two ahead. They're like shaking their heads. Like, no, don't, don't, please don't. And that cell phones go away. And I, and I don't see them for the rest of the hour. And it's been like, Oh, this is good. This is good. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do this. We're going to do some more of this. So I think I will always be perpetually behind 
Mrs. Shively, buy at least uh, mm -hmm. three, three or four cell phones, and I'll need to catch up. And, and I need yeah. to catch up. Yeah. So it's just been a great um, uh, shtick to do with I the like kids. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, next up, he has homework. Uh, and homework to me is a fascinating conversation, uh, depending on where you are and what's going on. And he has a lot of ELL students as well. Um, mm -hmm. And also teaches IB. So there's like, you know, a lot wow. of things involved there. Um, COVID. And COVID's been a challenge for all of us. Um, accelerated learning. Um, and he, he says, uh, this, this is one of those things that I think is interesting. Fortunately, I think ELL teachers are uniquely positioned to do accelerated learning since we do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then school district leadership. And I will say that I've heard just tons about leadership this year and about how much of a difference leadership makes. Um, it seems as though that is a real pivotal point for a lot of people. Um, and people are realizing that good leadership mean, can have a huge impact on teachers and uh, schooling system. Because, you know, teachers, <laughs> if teachers don't feel supported, they're going to act and teach differently than if they feel supported and if they feel part of the answer as well. So... Um, and then there is also, uh, there is a really interesting article. This is a Substack article, but this is anatomy of a fake. I don't know if you had a chance to see this or not, um, Sean, because we didn't really talk about it pre-show. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> misinformation, this is one of those misinformation kind of things. And we're just going to kind of link to it. But essentially, there's people that wanted to believe it so badly. And that's part of what makes a fake work. Um, and it's also about chair picking information and, um, you know, coming up with summaries that aren't summaries. Um, and basically, um, you know, they said that the the gist of it is they said that grading was going to be um, dependent upon um, your race that we were that we were going to make up for uh, things that hurt disproportionately certain groups so we're just going to do away with those it's like if you look at any of the information that's not what they were doing in any way shape or form but it became twisted and the question really becomes we need to be aware of what is and isn't happening and it also ties into the they're tying it into the decline of local news which um mm. i think is interesting as well because there's uh it allows for things to allows for misinformation or lies to be leveraged in a bigger it's not cut off quickly because there's a balance kind of thing that's if interesting. If you are looking it. for balance, you can head over to middleschoolmatters.com and see all of the show notes there. Um, and then, of course, we would really like it if you would balance out your day with uh, um, either doing a uh, give us a five star rating on the podcatcher of your choice, or even better yet, um, telling a friend or colleague about Middle School Matters and encouraging them mm. to subscribe as well. Yeah. And again, you can subscribe that. by heading over to middleschoolmatters.com. With that, this is Ben. the host and guests and not indicative of any employer.